Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And last time I was up here, we finished chapter 1. We talked about worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. Talked about the weakness and the foolishness of God, which I know might sound odd to some people. God, foolish and weak. But it's using the context, context of like the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man, as it says in verse 25 of chapter 1. And to me, that's, that's just, that blows my mind, because just thinking of God, I don't know, at his worst, I guess, if that's possible, is uh, still wiser and stronger than man. And God proves that time after time. Just look at who he uses for his glory. To share his word with his people. I mean, look who he uses. I mean, he could easily find somebody who could bring the flash and the glamour. Which you see that if you tune in on TV, you see everybody... But it's not with the right motives. They don't have the right heart. They don't. They don't preach the good the good news. God likes to use people who have nothing to brag about. He includes the people that usually are excluded, and he does that to convert human values. He shames the wise. And he shames the strong, and he reduces to nothing the things that are impressive to the world. And why does he do that? He does that so men and women cannot boast before him. God will not share his glory with anybody. And he does miracles to humble mankind so that no one can take the credit for anything. You see it in Scripture a lot as you go through the Bible. God uses the trumpets to bring down the walls of Jericho. With the jawbone of a donkey, he enabled Samson to defeat a whole army. And he fed 5,000 with just a little piece, a loaf of bread and some fish. So that's God's heart for you and me. He wants you to daily recognize that we have nothing to brag about before him, rather that we are completely indebted to him each day. So as we start tonight in uh, chapter 2, We're going to talk about, continuing to talk about 
God's wisdom, as we did in the first chapter, and a little bit about how Paul preaches. So the title of the message today is Godly Wisdom 2.0. So in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul didn't come to Corinth to add to the city's culture or as a philosopher or a salesman. He came for one purpose and one goal. To declare to you the testimony of God. Like many of us today, the Corinthians loves, love the human wisdom. Like we all do. I mean, you see flesh over here, you look at it. But we have to, Paul was going there to call him back to the wisdom of God. And I'm at fault sometimes too. I look to myself to get out of things. Any problems that I might have, any trials, I look to myself to get out of them. I don't look to God right away. I try to handle it on my own. That works out 0% of the time. So we also remember to keep seeking the Lord in everything as I have to all the time as well. So the next part I'm going to talk about is uh, Paul pre- how Paul preaches and how he brings God's wisdom into that. So going back to verse 3, it says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much, much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So going back to verse 1, we see Paul's method. In his, in, his, in his preaching in Athens, he recognizes the difference in ministry that is centered around man's heart and that that is spiritual from God. If a preacher is not careful he can get in the way of the gospel instead of being a servant of the gospel. And I, we have to, I think I also talk about this at the end of the last service too, that if you're not careful when you teach the word, it could, be, could become of no effect, which I 
I find that mind-boggling too that you could have the Bible with all the truths in it and be made of no effect. That's, that's not what you look for when you have a preacher. You need someone to speak the truth. You need someone to go through the good parts of the Bible and some of the Bible that people like to shy away from. That's what's so great about this place, that it preaches everything, verse by verse. Verse 2, you see Paul's message. It says that he does not want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to know anything else. It's just that his main focus, his main purpose in preaching is that the gospel that he had was with the crucified Messiah. And that was his that was his main message when he was preaching. That people understood that it was all about God and what he did for us. That's what, that's what we as a church have to remember also when we fall into tough times. That we have to remember to focus on him and focus on what he did for our sins. Moving down to verse 5, you see the motives of his preaching. Paul wants the people to feel the power of God. He wants people to stop looking at the power of man and experience the power of God. And I sometimes have a hard time with that as well. I'm a sports guy. I have a hard time maybe uh, maybe memorizing some scripture other than statistics. I've always did that. My parents could tell you about that. I would know everything that happened with the Mets and the Giants. Not so much to talk about now. They both kind of stink, but <laughs> but God doesn't stink. It's quite the opposite. Quite the opposite on that because God will never let you down. God won't blow a two a two run lead in the ninth inning. He won't do that. So you always got to focus on the truth and things that will never fade away, like the love of Christ in our hearts. Verse 6 it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rule, the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. It's not Paul's teaching to mature Christians. And the mature Christians recognize God's wisdom, but the rulers of the age do not. 
and they're coming to nothing, it says. In Ephesians 4.13, it says, Till we are all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of the fulfill, the fullness of Christ. And in Philippians 3.15, it says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So an immature person does not have the discernment to know what is good. We have to take what we know that is truth and maybe disciples people, maybe show people who God is through us. You know, doesn't mean you jam the Bible down their throat, but sometimes you don't have to say really anything, just your mannerisms and your the way you conduct yourself in your daily life will get people to think, what's with this guy or girl? And then it'll open up a door to, sh to, to tell them about who God is. And then, and then the, more the, the more they grow and the more they are mature in the Lord, they'll be right there with you and I in their walk. Verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they had known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So why was this such a mystery to these rulers? Because God's wisdom is known by people who are in the gospel, which Paul was preaching. You can't know about the Lord and know about all that he does without being in the word. A lot of times in my own day-to-day -day life, I... Uh, I'm at work and people have their opinions but they don't have any real facts to back up their opinions. I guess that's why they're opinions. But so they, you know, they don't know. They don't know the truth because they they're not in the word. And and what's good is that you know, I I give them little I'll give them little things here and there. I try to talk to them here and there. 
plant little seeds as I go about my day. But, you know, I don't, I don't know what their heart is. God knows. But I know that for me, it's awesome to know that I know the truth. It's awesome to know that I'll continue to know the truth because I'm, con- I'm constantly in the Word every day and I'm constantly getting fed. And that's what we have to remember and do as a church. Be diligent, be diligent in being fed with the Word on a regular basis. We have to continue to to follow his, his commands to you, even though it may be scary at times. You have to take what he, he says and follow it. And even though the people around you may mock or, or what, you have to still, you have to be diligent in uh, sticking to your heart and sticking what you know is true. Verse 9. But, that is, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now it says it is written, but it doesn't mean it's actually a quote from the Bible. Paul's referring to Isaiah 64, 4, which says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by their ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for, for him. And that's something that I believe we all should do. Just pray and wait on the Lord. I find that very difficult. I have very, it's, it's hard to wait on the Lord. I don't think I'm alone in that, but the Lord really blesses those who wait on Him. And the more the more you just give it over to the Lord, the easier, the easier like you, you are in your every day-to-day life. It's not, you're not so stressed out. You're not so worried about what's going to happen. And in James 1, 3 and 4, it says, Knowing that testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, so being patient tests our faith. And when the Lord blesses you through those trials and you're patient through that, your faith becomes stronger when you wait on the Lord. 
And I know, again, it's hard, but once the Lord takes you out of those trials, it's like, it's an awesome situation. I know I've had a lot of trials this last summer. And no, I had to be patient through all those. I had two major kidney stone surgeries. I didn't recover in one day. So I had to really wait on him to pull me out of that. And he has. And it's still not 100%, but I'm getting there. And, and I know that the Lord has, has got me. And uh, that's what we have to remember, that just wait on the Lord. Verse 10. <clears throat> but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, that's the deep things of God. For that man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So we have to remember that this reminds us that only the Holy Spirit can tell us about God and his wisdom. We have to we have to remember that through his holy spirit we could understand everything. I mean I I have to do that all the time. I have to have the holy spirit in me to be up here because I know I can't do it on just me. And I know everybody who's up here has to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that's an awesome thing when you realize that. Because being up here and doing this, it, it's, it, it makes me feel good that I'm able to be up here sharing the Word of God that I believe so deeply about. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So there's things that are from the world and things that are from the Spirit of God. And we, as a church, have to recognize and stay clear of the wisdom from the world. I see that way too often. 
People see the things in the world and get easily distracted from the truth. We have to remember who's in charge of our lives. And we, we have to realize that every Christian here has access to the spiritual wisdom. The more you... The more you enter here and you hear the word every week and it gets into your hearts, it's easier to, it's easier each week to follow him and, and look to him first. And we have everything we, we need right here in our fingertips if we just desire it. In my life, I need to get better with my devotions. I think I'm too busy, but I'm not too busy. I have to focus on him, put him at the front of my list, because we, we have it right here in front of us. We just have to utilize it if we want it. Verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is righteous, rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the things of God are foolish to the natural man because the natural man views the worldly things better than the things of God. He'd rather be in the world being successful and bringing home a big paycheck than spending time on spiritual things. And that's the sad part that I see, unfortunately, that many Christians think and act like the natural man. We as, a, we as a church have to remember that we know God and we know His Spirit and nothing's too big for us when we have Christ in our minds every day. We have to, like I said before, we have to want it, we have to desire it, we have to get up every day Pray that the Lord uses you and 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 looks to you to uh, share His gospel with people, to bring them closer to you. I have a personal story. Um, something happened at the beginning of the week at work that really bothered me. 
bothered me to the point where Satan had the opportunity to get in my head before I had to teach, take me off my game, and started thinking that I shouldn't be up here, that I don't know what I'm doing. There's a million people that are better that should be up here than me. Then I had to start thinking about the message that I had prepared. And it was the worldly thoughts and the worldly wisdom that was clouding my, my brain. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't godly. But it's not about me and my worldly thoughts. It's about the wisdom of God. So if you all think you're too small to be effective, too average, weak, and foolish, God could use you more than you know. And once we remember that, and get that into our minds and our hearts, like I had to do, you truly have godly wisdom. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Let's turn around.